from earlier this week, I, I don't know that one song will be quite enough time for me to make that transition. One song plus one extra run through the chorus. Oh, well, um, I am uh, thrilled to have a moment to share with you this morning. Uh, kind of wrestled all week long with uh, which direction to go, because honestly, uh, you only get a couple of times a year to share. There's just so much that I want to say. And uh, with all of the Veterans Day moments, Mark was uh, wanting me to make sure that I only had about 10 minutes ready. But I'm looking at the clock, and I mean, I'm up here faster than Mark normally gets up here, so I should have plenty of time um, to, to just share with you, starting in Genesis. I'm just kidding about that. Um, so... A couple of days ago, an incident occurred in the life of a friend of mine that really really kind of nailed down maybe a direction that I, f- I felt we needed to go this morning um, because it's so personal to me, and, and I assume if it's personal to me and personal to some friends of mine uh, that perhaps, perhaps it might hit a nerve with all the rest of us. Uh, I got a message a couple of days ago that a young lady who... Uh, is a good friend of mine, a young lady who I've had an opportunity to invest um, some time into over the years, uh, was involved in a, a tragic car accident. Uh, she, in this accident, her aorta ruptured, and uh, amazingly, they were able to life flight her to um, a hospital in Panama City in time to do surgery to repair the rupture. And as I've kind of looked into it the last couple of days in the very um, amazing medical journal that is Wikipedia, I've I found out that ruptured aortas, um, between 80 to 90 percent of people never make it to the hospital with a ruptured aorta, that the uh, bleeding out is so profuse that most of the time um, victims are, are dead before emergency medical teams even have an opportunity to respond. If that information is not accurate, we'll blame Wikipedia uh, for that. But uh, she she suffered an extremely tragic car accident. This is a young lady who's a student at the Baptist College of Florida, a young lady who's engaged to be married. Um, this past summer, spent her spent her summer uh, working with orphans in Africa very excited about the future that God had planned for her, and it's amazing for us all to, to remember how quickly things can change. She was just driving to go babysit a foster, for a foster family who needed an evening out, and as she turned, she uh, was hit by an oncoming car. She seems to be Recovering fairly well. It's only been 48 hours, so there's still a long way for her to go. Um, but as I, as I spoke with her fiancé a couple of nights ago, the, uh, the first verse that came to my mind was from the book of Nehemiah. And the verse is, The joy of the Lord is our strength. So I thought it might be good for us to read these verses to figure out what uh, Nehemiah, what Ezra were talking about in this moment 
to feel compelled to say to the people of Israel that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you would, we're going to do something a little different right now. If you have a, a Bible or an app on your phone, if you would turn, scroll to Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, I'd like for us all to stand together in the honoring of the reading of God's Word. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, others, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And then Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, as we take a few minutes this morning to dive into these words, God, I pray that you would teach us truth that we've never known before. Open our hearts and our ears to hear from you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I told you about the young lady earlier, and just as a side note, if, if you would be willing to commit to pray for her, that would be amazing. Her name is Kayla. If you would just pray for Kayla at the Baptist College of Florida. And she'll be needing your prayers for the months ahead. So what we have here is, um, is the reading publicly of God's Word. To give you a little background of, of what led to this moment, um, the Israelite people had been held in captivity in Persia. And there was a king of Persia, his name was Artaxerxes, and Artaxerxes um, allowed Ezra 
to return to the city. The city of Jerusalem had been decimated through war. Um, the Israelite people had surrendered and had been taken as hostages, as captives, as slaves back into Persia. And as the Israelite people in Persia began to find out more about their homeland, they began to make requests from the king to be returned back to the city in which they came. So King Artaxerxes released Ezra and a few people to return to their home. And a season later, he released Nehemiah and some others to return home to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, Ezra was the high priest. Nehemiah was the man, the architect behind the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And if you know anything about um, cities in, in that day and age, if you didn't have a wall, you did not survive. That was your protection from invading armies. So rebuilding this wall became the first major step to getting the Israelite people back on their feet again. So Nehemiah um, and, and the story of the rebuilding of this wall is absolutely amazing. It takes place in the first few chapters before verse uh, chapter 8 that we just read. And, and the, uh, the amount of manpower and the amount of determination and the amount of trust in God that it took for these people to rebuild the wall was absolutely amazing to behold. So they've just finished rebuilding this wall. And Ezra the priest brings out this scroll. Now, perhaps the people had been aware of the Word of God, maybe even had been engaged in the Word of God while they were in captivity in Persia. But more than likely, the people had been separated from the Word of God for years and years and years. So as they take this moment to read the Word of God, these people might be hearing from these scrolls, from this word directly from their God for the first time in their lives. So this is a significant occasion. And there's some things that I notice about their response and their reaction here that I think is, is worthwhile for all of us. The first thing I notice in these first four verses of chapter 8 is they have an unbelievable hunger for the Word of God. Did you notice that in these first four verses? said, number one, that Ezra read from daybreak until noon. Now, if you go with where we're at right here, right now, today daybreak took place at about 7, and noon took place at, will take place at noon. That's pretty easy to figure out. So, five hours, Ezra stood before the people and read the Word of God. I can't help but be convicted myself when I get a little antsy after a 30-minute sermon on a Sunday morning. For five hours, Ezra read from the Word of God, and the people were absolutely captivated with what Ezra had to say. It says they, they listened attentively, that they even built a platform for Ezra to stand on, to project across the community of people. They were hungry for the Word of God. And as I read that, I can't help but wonder for myself, do I have that same kind of hunger for God's Word? Because honestly, in my office, I have 14 different versions of the Bible on a shelf. On my iPhone and my iPad, I have multiple translations of God's Word. and Maybe sometimes I take it for granted. Here we have a group of people who are hearing from God for maybe the very first time, or 
or perhaps for the first time in a long time, they're captivated with what is being shared. I know for me, I was convicted. I was convicted that every time I opened the Word of God, to dig in with the enthusiasm and the intensity as if I'm hearing it for the very first time. But that's not it. And verses 5 through 8, we, I think we see a, an unbelievable reverence for God's Word. When I, mean, when I say reverence, it may not look the way we're used to the word reverence looking. The very first thing they did was they, they stood up when Ezra began to read God's Word. The very first response from the people was just to stand in reverence of God's Word. Uh, I was in a church a few years ago. I was on staff and the pastor would always have the congregation. He would open every single sermon by reading the text that he was going to preach from. He'd have the entire congregation. I was there for six years, so 300 Sundays, we stood as he read the text over us. So I asked him one Sunday, um, Donnie, why... Why do you, uh, why do you have everybody, just out of curiosity, is that like a tradition that you grew up with? Why do you have everybody stand to read God's Word together? And he said, well, Ryan, I challenge you to figure that out for yourself. And to, to make it easy for you, I challenge you to start in the book of Nehemiah. And so as I began to read Nehemiah and I got to the eighth chapter, I see here a precedent, perhaps of men and women who stood to honor the reading of God's Word. So from that day forward, the remaining years that I was in Inverness on staff, I, it was significant for me. I understood why we stood to read God's Word. So we see this reverence of the people. It says that they lifted their hands. Now that's something we don't like to talk about in Baptist churches, so we'll just skip on to the next moment. But there seems to be some biblical precedence for the lifting of hands. It says they responded with amens. So there was not only a physical response of standing and the lifting of hands, but they also responded verbally. As they heard moments in which God was convicting their hearts, they responded by saying amen. Another thing that we don't talk about much as Baptists, is it also says that they fell to the ground. That their response to the Word of God was so overwhelming. There was so much reverence for Him that there was multiple ways in which they responded. They responded by standing. They responded by falling. They responded by lifting of hands. They responded by saying amen. This is thousands of years ago. This is, this is no new battle that the church has started facing in the last 20 to 30 years. So as I read this, I wonder, you know, maybe my scope and my perspective of what true and authentic worship is needs to be adjusted. Maybe instead of maybe instead of deciding for myself what worship looks like, I should go back to the word of God and see how the people of God over the courses of generations and generations responded to the word of God. And it appears that there was those that responded in unique ways. The next thing we see as they hear from the Word of God in, in verse 9, seems like there's just a brokenheartedness among the people. I would assume that this brokenheartedness had to do with the conviction 
as they read of a holy God who desires holiness from His people. I would assume as they began to hear about this holy God who desires a holy priesthood of people that perhaps their own life conditions began to weigh heavy on their hearts. They were broken by their sin. They were broken by their failures and their, and their mistakes. And then I love what Nehemiah said. Because it's so easy sometimes to, to end with the brokenness and the sorrow. But I love Nehemiah's response. This day is sacred to the Lord your God. This is in verse, excuse me, verse 10. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I believe that this tells us that when we're facing sorrow, when we're facing conviction of any kind, that there is a well for us to go to. And that well is God who offers us a joy that seems beyond our comprehension. A peace that transcends all understanding. So that regardless of the circumstances that we face, we find our strength in the joy of God. Job in chapter 1 of, of the book that chronicles his life says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I met a lot of Christians who believe in the first part of that verse, the Lord gives. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I met a lot of Christians who may believe in the second, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I think for us to understand the full counsel of God is to understand that there are times when the Lord gives. And there are times when you're in a car accident and your aorta is ruptured and you're bleeding out on the road and you think that that is it. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we could get in a theological discussion of does God cause car accidents and all that kind of thing. We don't have time for that moment right now, but here's what we know for sure. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is the full counsel of God's Word. There are times in our life where things don't go our way and perhaps it's the hand of God at work in our life. How are we going to respond? Three years ago, my wife and I were transitioning from Inverness, Florida to Mariana, Florida, and in the middle of that transition, I was actually away with students at camp. And Lauren calls me. She had, we, uh, at this point, we had, two healthy little girls. We were pregnant with a third. And while I was at camp, Lauren was going in for what we thought was going to be a routine checkup with the doctor. She was in her sixth month of pregnancy and we were excited to determine the gender and all those things were coming. And I get a phone call 
Um, Lawrence said something's not right. You need to come home. So I left the students with the other um, youth workers who were there that week at camp. and I zipped home. We were only about an hour away from Inverness, so it was a, a quick and easy trip. And Over the next month, we began a, a series of meetings and appointments with uh, doctors at Shands in Gainesville as they began to try and determine exactly what was, what was wrong with our baby. Well, in the midst of this, we were in transition to move to a to a new city and a new church and a new ministry. And uh, so in the middle of these appointments, we, we moved to Mariana. And we were in Mariana for about a week and we returned to Shands for a follow-up appointment. They were going to run some tests to pull some DNA from the womb so they could figure out what problems we were going to be encountering. It's never a concern for us whether we're going to keep the baby or not. We were just wanting to be prepared for what was coming. And as the doctor prepared for that amniocentesis, uh, he stopped and he looked at us and he said, I'm not finding a heartbeat. It didn't, didn't really make sense for us in that moment. You know, we, I don't know that I fully comprehended what the doctor was saying in that moment. I assumed that he would try again and, and find a heartbeat and that we would move forward with the testing and go home and figure out what steps we would need to take. And we had some friends who had driven up from Inverness for that day to be with us. And, and, um, and he repeated it. He said, I'm, I'm not finding a heartbeat. That's when it dawned on us that we had lost the baby. Because of the, um, we were six months in and there was a couple of options. Um, because of some personal convictions, we decided to, uh, to deliver the baby. And it was the hardest day of, hardest day of our life. It was also the birthday of our four-year-old Emma. So it's a day that we will never forget and a day that Emma does not forget. That following Sunday, I, I was the worship pastor at this church in Inverness and helped out with youth when I got a chance. And that following Sunday, I'd already this was a Friday appointment. The day that we found out initially... Um, I'd already planned the worship service before I left for camp. And I remember Lauren and I, Lauren was on the front row and I was leading worship. And I had planned the service a couple of weeks in advance because I knew I was going to be gone for a while with camp. That particular Sunday morning, the, the two songs that we started out with was a song uh, entitled, Healing is in Your Hands, followed by him titled, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It was one of the very few Sundays that as a worship leader, I could not 
effectively lead worship. The weight of those songs and the weight of the lyrics of those songs as I proclaim to God in the midst of our sorrow that He is faithful is a day that I won't forget. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We've got a healthy two-year-old named Lily now. We can't imagine life without Lily. The reality is, the baby we had lost had come to full term. Lily would never be a part of our lives. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be His name. Last Sunday, after church, we went home. We haven't talked about this publicly much, but we had found out about a month ago that we were expecting our fourth child. And last Sunday um, afternoon, Lauren came in and said, something's not right. Obviously, it brought up a whole slew of previous emotions and sadness and fear of what may come. So we jumped in the car and we headed to the ER. They ran some tests and told us that as far as they could tell, everything was okay, but to check with the OGBYN first thing Monday morning. So over the course of the next couple of days, we had some appointments and had some tests done. and uh, We found out for sure on Wednesday that we lost our fourth child earlier this week. And as we sat down with Emma and Anna to explain to them that we had lost the baby, Emma's response was, why does this keep happening to us? She remembers that day on her fourth birthday where we said hello and goodbye to her first and so far only little brother. In the past week, past few days, so many of you have been kind and gracious to our family and you have asked us how we are doing. And we can honestly tell you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is real. And I know that this story can be echoed all over this room in a variety of different forms, in a variety of different ways. But this is the truth of the struggle that we face in life. My story is no different from yours. Lauren went off to the Beth Moore Conference Friday evening. I was excited for her to have that opportunity, uh, perhaps uh, 24 hours of healing for her. And, um, she said in the very first session, there was a couple of songs that were sung. One was called Healing is in Your Hands. 
And the other one's called Great is Thy Faithfulness. The Lord takes away. And then the Lord uses unbelievable circumstances in our life to remind us that He also gives. For us, there's a moment of affirmation, a moment of confirmation that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That God uses absolutely unbelievable circumstances to tell a story that is far greater than anything we can possibly comprehend. So as we close out this time together this morning, my question for you is very simple. Regardless of the circumstances that you face in your life, is the joy of the Lord your strength? Nehemiah said, do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we're sad. We're broken hearted. But we recognize that God is working on a canvas far bigger than anything that we can comprehend. And our strength comes from the unending well of His joy. My encouragement and challenge to all of you is to drink from that well. To experience His joy. To find strength through what He has to offer to us. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your unsurpassing joy. God, and You had so much joy and so much love for this place that You sent Your only Son, Jesus. That if we believed and confessed in Him, then we find strength and we find everlasting life. So God, as we come to this moment today, help us find, drink, find strength in Your joy. To drink from Your well. To experience life in Jesus. Life that is abundant. In this moment of response, I invite you, you may... You may just need a moment to come to the altar to experience a joy, to gain strength. Perhaps you need to come to this moment to say, I have a need for the joy of, of Jesus as my Savior. I need eternal joy. The joy that only comes through Jesus, the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life. Perhaps you come today and just say, I want to join with a body of believers who are drinking from the well of joy. Who are standing together to impact this world with the hope of Christ. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And I invite you to respond.
God, you are good. Your mercy, your love endures forever. You give and you take away. God, we bless your name. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand?